Eleanor, Gary from Gary's Shortlist Podcast. Eleanor Moshe, thank you so much for your time to be here today. I know we, uh, we've been meaning to do this for some time and thank you for your understanding in, in the delay. It is fantastic to have you on board. For our listeners here today, you are the founder of The Construction Coach, which I believe would be Australia's first construction coach. And you are, by my research, all things leadership, coaching uh, in the construction industry, primarily here in Australia. You are the author of books. You are one of the hardest working women that I've seen in some time. So uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Gary, for that generous introduction. It's great to be here. And of course, when you have someone so familiar with the industry on the other end, you know it's going to be quite the conversation. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, so straight off the bat, um, let's talk about leadership in construction in Australia. Can you describe it in your words, how it is today? Inadequate and competent. Most leaders, this is of course in reference to most leaders, there are the exception and then there is the rule. And most leadership has really had the mediocre standards infiltrated within their leadership practice. And this is not a personal assessment. Look at the results that most leaders are generating. Most people are unfulfilled. They're unsatisfied. They are not engaged. They are not motivated. They don't know where they're going. They don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They are nowhere near their potential. Leaders are not maximizing opportunity. This isn't a subjective assessment. This is an assessment based on what is actually happening on ground level and what the followers of X leadership are saying. And when you have exposure to this over a really long period of time, you start to understand the trends. So this isn't a criticism by any chance. This is a massive opportunity for those who are ready to disrupt, ready to create their impact, ready to exert their positive, necessary influence to truly step up. Because when standards of leadership are so low, where is this going to self-perpetuate the industry? And most leaders are not getting leadership right. They're in a tactical game. They're not actually taking a principle-based or character-based approach to the highest standards of morality and ethics. And this is not the kind of leadership which is for the faint of heart. And most leaders also need to realize that where has their leadership training or exposure actually come from? You can already see how closed-minded some people are when it comes to their own leadership development, when their cup is full, they have an answer to everything. They don't seek to expand their own consciousness. They do not seek to explore their curiosity. They already think that everything that they're doing is fantastic. This is such a mediocre standard of leadership and the leadership has been truly exposed over the last two years. Few have actually demonstrated what they say they do, and the majority have just said A and done B. And most people have seen right through this, and now people are seeking. They are seeking leadership. So the answer is, who is actually going to be this triple E leader, exemplary, excellent, and exceptional leader that the industry and society so truly needs? Because it all starts and ends with leadership. Listeners, this is going to be fantastic. Stay right where you are. <laughs> Eleanor, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your start of your career so they can understand that you know construction intimately? 
we spent a lot of time together. I did start off in a very conventional project delivery role and I was on project delivery for eight years and I delivered over $200 million of commercial work for corporate, private and government institutions on a whole variety of projects. And I've had that exposure from the procurement to the legalities, the whole lot of it. But what I realized was as my role was progressing, as much as the industry called it successful, the externalities seemed to be going up but my internal fulfillment, my internal inspiration, my internal appreciation of self was on, de on the decline. It was an inverse relationship. And I got to a point in my career in construction where I hated it. I had to convince myself to go and actually participate in this industry, which I do so truly love and I'm truly passionate about. And I realized that there was a gaping chasm in my development, which had to do with the self. And the construction industry places an over-reliance on that technical training. But we all know that to succeed in any sort of role, it doesn't come down to the technical training. I know you have a safety background. Of course, you have a deep appreciation for the rules, the regulation, but you also know it's a psychological game than anything else. And when I realized that I was missing so much in my career. That's when I started exploring. That's when I started looking because it was a gray Melbourne morning on site as gray and bland as it could be. And I was in the site shed and I looked out the bars of the site shed and it felt like a mental prison to me. And I said that this can't be it because up until that point in time, I'd given away agency over my career. I let other people call the shots. I let other people determine what was opportunity for me. And I was, I lost 95% of myself to the industry. And it doesn't have to be that way because the industry has opportunity. It has opportunity for people to create their own pathways, but the collective psyche is so conventional and suffocating that I had to break out of that because it would not have ended well. It would not have been sustainable at all. So whilst I did start with the hard hat and the, and the boots, I, I hung them up in order to pursue my own entrepreneurial ventures. And I think that is extremely brave um, for somebody that has, you know, invested so much time and energy to get to where you got to in your construction career to, you know, the way you described that, looking out the site shed, seeing the bars. I, I've had that visualisation. It must have been a moment of bravery, to A, to make a decision, but at the same time must have been as scary as heck. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. And, you know, you've gone and done your own thing as well. And many people in the industry have. And I extend a deep sense of respect to those who want to just do something different. Because whilst I do akin society to being crabs in a bucket, the minute that you want to try and do something different, everyone tries and pull you back down. And it takes a lot of courage in that first instance to go out and do something, let alone something that didn't exist, let alone bring something into the industry, which people don't even know that they need yet in such a model, which has never been provided. And as soon as you start doing that, as soon as you start popping your head, that little bit above the crowd, you get asked questions, people want to bring you down, people purposely do go out of your way. And the more that you start seeing the industry from that eagle eye perspective that higher perspective the collective consciousness of the industry is still very mediocre and
and you know we can continue this conversation what this actually does for people entering the industry it's extremely detrimental yeah look i i, I think we we agree on a lot of a lot of paths here and I, I, I mention this a lot and our listeners have heard me say this a lot in general conversation, perhaps around leadership or culture perhaps, but um, the thing that, that was a light bulb for me when I was in construction was, you know, I might have been part of a leadership team, for example, being an executive in the business and I would look around the table and think, are we, are we really leaders? And I'd look across at that person and think, you don't have any leadership qualities that I can actually really a respect or observe, uh, for that matter. Yet you were thrown in this. Uh, we better throw you in the ELT because you've been here the longest, and um, and I find that really hard to understand. And I don't think the or the construction industry needs. Uh, I think they need to hear that more so they can understand. You know what? There's more to leadership than just length of service, perhaps. And if you are going to be selected to be a leader in a business, um, I think you need to be demonstrating superior leadership qualities consistently, um, as opposed to all the other negative qualities that, you know, the ranting, the, the slamming the fist on the table sort of approach that this industry has been dogged with. And you mentioned the young people coming through, um, you know, out of universities now joining the construction industry, they must sit there thinking, what circus have I joined um, when, when they are seriously um, in an environment that isn't great, that doesn't have great leadership? And, and, and Eleanor, would I be right in saying that I'm, I'm being very broad there, right, because there are organisations that I respect and individuals I respect in construction today that are fantastic leaders. Um, but I, I guess uh, the previous was probably the norm. Correct, correct. And... There are some people who are at that level of leadership education where they still akin leadership with seniority, tenure and technical experience. And I had someone on LinkedIn ask me, Eleanor, what's your job title that qualifies you as a leader? You still have to bring people to that table where it has nothing to do with your tenure, with your degrees, everything to do with your character, your principles, your thinking, your ability to connect to people the psychology of like so many other factors and they can be learned and they are not actually ever truly learned in a hundred percent of the capacity from your day-to-day -day job and this is what it means to be a leader through and through what are you doing outside of the workplace mm, and yeah. i have had bad experience after bad experience with this and i hear it from my clients as well like you said i get calls and they say eleanor is this how it's meant to be and i say no of course not this is exactly how it's not meant to be and you're right you do truly question how some people arrived where they are they do not embody superior excellent leadership and then unfortunately people look up and say okay i need to be that in order to get a seat at the table and this is how we have as you yeah that self-perpetuating cycle of mediocrity yeah yeah agree entirely i think um as a general comment and as of my observations in in corporate construction is that uh you see that the person with the loudest voice around the table perhaps um or the one that, that actually makes the most money for the business uh they generally get a, a fairly loud voice uh because the business all of a sudden says oh well the person x must be really good in leadership because they keep delivering terrific results but the carnies that could be left behind 
uh, is quite often sort of not even want to be looked at um, to some degree because uh, the carnage is part of the circus, right? Um, and, you know, let's face it, the industry is, is an extremely tough industry. It's extremely competitive. The hours are ridiculous. Um, you know, for, for young people coming in, it, I, I can only imagine it, it's a whirlwind for them to, to find their place in perhaps a project team or, or, or on a larger project. Uh, it's finding their place. And then you just hope that, you know, um, leadership isn't something that somebody in those leadership capacity roles isn't sort of saying, oh, yeah, I did a leadership course once, I've ticked that, right? Um, it's, it's much more than that, clearly. And I also think the leadership, please take this respectfully, but in over the past 15 years of my career, I saw leadership and buzzwords around leadership as almost snake oil from a lot of consultancy firms. Um, and I would sit in front of them and be really objective and, and think to myself, I don't think this is the stuff that I've been doing my homework and research and reading on leadership. Um, I don't think we're there yet. It's all about this, oh, we're leading from the front and you need to, you know, essentially do this, and which is, I think we can all say, is, is a total load of crap. Yeah, correct. And... I, I'm of the same, you know, of the same philosophy. The only assessment is what are people's results, right? As a leader, you're on show for your results and can you actually deliver success, first of all, for yourself, because there's a lot of irony in the industry with people who change their tagline and then position themselves as a leader. It doesn't quite happen like that. But yes, a lot of people use those brush words, you know, and, and I don't, you know, respectful leader, millennial leader, thoughtful leader. I mean, these aren't things that are under discussion. This is a given, right? But most people are still at that level of, again, falling into conventional leadership as education, using very high level, sexy terms, very fluffy terms, but then they're not actually translating that into real life application because it's not a principle. They don't know how to live a principle-based approach to leadership. And then you are right, you have people who have great collateral and branding and wording about it, but then you look at it on ground level and it's it's nowhere to be seen. But for people, you know, we're, we're talking about this because we understand this and we embody this, but highlighting those blind spots to people, again, most people are also quite close to that. Again, they have the answers to everything. Their mind is full. But that is not what makes for the leadership that the industry moving forward does truly need because it is a leadership which has been, you know, in the last decade, they've had more than enough time to show results. It's got us here. What got us here will not take us to where the industry actually needs to be. On the weekend, I was, you know, like all of us, we probably saw and read and, you know, saw bits and pieces about Anzac Day and, um, and it made me reflect on some of the stories that I was reading about heroes, essentially, um, whether they were male, female, whether they, I was read a great piece on um, horses, you know, that, that played an, an integral part in, during the war. And I was looking at some of that stuff and it wasn't ever branded as leaders, right? It was just branded as this person went to war and this is the story and this is what they did and this was the outcome. And a few things that I read, I was like, wow, that was almost Shackleton leadership or, or whatever, whatever you'd like to call it. it. It was just really, you know, and, and back in those days, I'm sure there weren't any, uh, 
consultants running around, you know, telling the diggers how to be a, an effective leader. But I just found it really interesting. And as and you reminded me of it when you said, you know what, we've gotten to a point in the construction industry where nothing's really improving, nothing's really changing in leadership. Um, at the coalface, you know, particularly where you and I were, were really exposed at the coalface. So um, what could you, you know, where do you see construction in Australia in the next few years or five years in terms of leadership if it wants to be an industry that actually thrives? Great question. And you're absolutely right about, you know, using the reference for people who, you know, fought in certain wars. We look to them as leaders or people who, you know, have fulfilled that capacity. And this is where people get leadership wrong. I don't wake up and decide I'm a leader. I'm only I'm only considered that for as long as my followers consider that. The rent for leadership is due every single day. I didn't grant this for me, right? It's my followers who decided. It's those who choose to be part of my community, those who choose to look up. If no one is following you, you are not a leader. And it's not a self-proclaimed title. It is bestowed upon by others. So that's an invaluable perspective because, again, you don't decide and it is the followers who decide. So that was invaluable and thank you for raising that, Gary. In terms of your question as to what needs to change, well, everything starts with the thinking, right? Everything that is manifested in the physical reality first starts with a thought. So what would have to change is the culture. And culture means the collective mindset, the collective consciousness of people within the industry. That's what that is what at the root cause level has to change. But in order for that to change, people need to first employ self leadership. They need to raise their own individual consciousness. You cannot outsource this. It is not something that I can get someone else to do for me. People have to undertake, you know, this is my tagline for my book, the greatest project you'll ever get to work on is you. That's why my podcast, it starts with constructing you. It has to start with the individual because what is the industry? An industry is the sum of its parts. What are the parts? The parts of the people. Now I'm responsible for my own mindset. I'm responsible for my own career and I'm responsible for, you know, my own life. Now imagine this utopia where everyone in the industry has it. Would we have problems of burnout and stress and people being in unfulfilled roles and, you know, people having inadequate managers, so on and so forth. No, that wouldn't exist. So it has to first, it, it, from my perspective, this is my vision, my mission-based mission, vision-based mission is for the individual to start with leadership of self. That's where it starts with. Terrific. And, and well said, well said. Um, Eleanor, your book, uh, I think your book is in my queue uh, on, on Audible. I think I've got it on Audible. Is it on Audible? Constructing a career, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I did, I did download that and it's in, it's in my list and I've been smashing books of late, so I'm really excited to, uh, to jump in on it. Thanks. For our listeners, um, constructing your career, where would they, where would they uh, what, what would they expect to get out of this? It's a book that allows you to bypass all the time in confusion of figuring out, this is a very big industry, how do I construct my career? Not for the industry to tell me, you should be this, you should do that, you have to do this. How would they know? Who has the right to come and say, hey, Gary, you know, I don't know you, but you know what, you should do this. And that is exactly how people guide each other within the industry, right? 
it's the blind leading the blind and i mean that figuratively not on a physical level right but it's mental blindness if someone doesn't have direction how can they possibly give you direction you can only take someone as far as you can see but 90% of people in the world don't have vision. And again, this is a self-perpetuating pathway where people follow titles. They follow the big sexy projects with the big cranes and the zeros on the contracts. That means nothing in the face of who you are and what you want. And I'm always fascinated that that is a controversial perspective in the industry. That it creates anarchy and hate and it people think that that's an invitation i need to throw vitriol at someone who dares goes their own way so the book is about enabling you in a step-by-step -step manner to identify what do you want how what does the industry look like what will actually enable you to have fulfillment and then you know that's the the inner work right because we have to construct our career from the inside out not from the outside in and then it's about knowing okay what are the different things that i have to do in order to construct my career for the long term. Everything from, you know, building your facade, which is your brand and your your network, talking about career maintenance. Well, you don't just get a job once and then you're set for life. I mean, those days are over. So it's about getting people to think of it as a holistic build for themselves. Where do they want to be? And it turns the mirror away from the industry, but back onto the person so they can, again, construct their career that is the whole point of being within an industry it's not for the industry to tell you who you are or what you do so in the same way that you build a building sequentially from the foundations all the way to to handover that is how i've put this book together to enable people to have a holistic guide a friend and a mentor that they can refer to wherever they feel conflicted or stuck within their career I love that, um, and thank you for, for the explanation there of the book. And, and for the listeners, um, I hope you have that resonated with you uh, to, to you know empower you to pick up this book and read it. Uh, Eleanor, I, I you, uh, some of the mentoring I'd, I've done over the years has been fantastic um, with some people that have been very successful in their careers, and, I, and I'm really, really happy for that. Um, and I think I, I tapped into a similar thing that you have with your book. I, I used to say to the odd person, you know what, this business that we both work in here, um, they have business plans, they've got strategies, they've got, you know, KPIs on, on the quarters and, you know, they're slicing and dicing this business up the best they can for peak performance, right? Yet both myself and my mentee have absolutely no plan on our career, right? And, and I, I would sit down and, and simply call it the action plan, right? Um, one person I sat down with, and he may well be listening, he was a site manager, a very experienced site manager, 35 years old, burnt out, uh, wanted, wanted out of the business. And he came to me one day and said, Gaz, I've got to get out of this game. It's going to kill me. Um, I'm quite comfortable. My wife and I and our kids love going to Noosa. Um, I'd love to move to Noosa, get out of Sydney and, you know, build pergolas for the rest of my life. Like if that, if that, if that would be heaven for me. And I said to him, well, do it, do it. Let, let's, let's, let's set a strategy and an action plan and let's get you out of this big circus that we're in. And I can honestly say he has done it. Um, uh, he's been in Noosa for 12 months now. He's the happiest 
family on the planet and we often talk and joke and, and, and he still says to me, Gaz, you called it the exit strategy. And I said, oh, did I? And he said, yeah, and it worked. It was my exit. Otherwise, I could see myself being the grumpy old 60-year-old site manager and forever after I'm happy. So, um, it's, uh, it's again, thank you for explaining the book um, and, and the structure of the book. I think I think it'll be interesting for me to read as well. Uh, thank you. And, you know, what two things you mentioned that was really invaluable is, number one, people mistake that if a company's doing well and if a company's doing organised, then they're doing well and they're doing organised. No, if the company, which is a vehicle, is profiting, it doesn't mean you are, right? If the company is playing big, it doesn't mean that you are. So people mistake the company doing well for them doing well. They are actually mutually, mutually exclusive. And two, people do not actually spend the time thinking what do they want. And it's really fulfilling to hear that that person went and just did what they wanted. That's what this is all about. It's, um, and to add to that, I, you know, when I put on my recruitment hat now, and I'm in recruitment for all the reasons um, that we may have covered, but um, I'm really enjoying the recruitment side because I get to talk to people about their careers. And, and quite often the conversation starts with, oh, Gary, I'm looking for a job and I'm, I'm looking for this. And then, and then 20 minutes into the conversation, it actually twists and they say, can I be really honest with you, Gary? I'm actually fed up with project management i just don't know if i can do it any longer and you can imagine you know within 20 minutes i've got somebody that's telling me that they're looking for a high powered high paid job with all the household family construction firms to then telling me you know what i think it's killing me and i've got to get out and and the conversation is very different from then and and that's part of the gig as 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 a recruiter um you know talking to people about that and it, and and, it, and it's a difficult one because it is a tough industry um, and and we do know that. Uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. Eleanor, uh, thank you for describing the book. Where can our listeners get a copy of your book? All copies of my book are available on Booktopia and Amazon. And your website, where can people jump on and have a look at your website and, and perhaps get in touch with you? And I hope they get in touch with you to talk about some coaching. Thank you, Gary. I'm available on LinkedIn, Eleanor Moshe, and my website is theconstructioncoach.com.au. Eleanor, I really appreciate your time today. It's been a pleasure to meet you, and uh, I know you're in Melbourne, and I'm based in Sydney, and, and perhaps that's why we haven't crossed paths because of that, uh, you know, that wall there between us. But um, it's been lovely to chat with you today, and on behalf of myself and the listeners, at Gary Shortlist, thank you very much, Eleanor Moshe. Thank you, Gary. Cheers.